everybody. Welcome to the Point of View podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Perry, joined by Adrian. How are you doing, Adrian? Uh, I'm living life, man. I'm still alive, so that's a blessing. Amen. Um, how's your week been? Um, my week's been a little bit weird, but, uh, it's just been not an average week, but that's just because of different life things. It's not been bad in any way. It's just been weird. Yeah, I get it. It's been a while since we recorded. <laughs> but I do think that this episode is going to be a good one. Uh, same here. I definitely think uh, being two straight males in America that this is something that, uh, like everything we always talk about, you know, it's not enough to be quiet. You have to speak up. Yes. So, as you guys probably know by the episode title, today we're talking about the mistreatment of women in our society. Yeah. So, I want to start by reading some anonymous stories. Uh, I sent a survey out to a couple of, just a bunch of people that I knew, uh, some at colleges, some who weren't at colleges, just women in my life. and women out in my life, really. And we have five stories that, um, five anonymous stories to share. So I'm going to go into that. Okay. Uh, anonymous story number one. I've heard a lot of not so great stories from friends about fraternities here. Don't get me wrong. I know people who have had full beer cans thrown at their faces, girls who refused to kiss someone and then were told that they were going to be blacklisted, boys being too eager to bring someone upstairs. For all of these, nothing was done either internally or through the college. I'm also not really a fan of X and O's party theme. It's disgusting and derogatory. Beyond that, it doesn't give me a theme to judge for. But I would like to say that my experience at fraternity parties has been overwhelmingly positive. I feel safe knowing that there are sober brothers that I can go to when I need help that the social chair's phone number is posted in the bathroom stalls. I know our fraternities aren't perfect, but I compare them to a lot of other schools, and I'm glad to be where I am. Anonymous story number two. I'm table sitting with some of my sisters at the fountain during my freshman year, handing out snacks and stuff, and this guy comes up and asks to take a picture with us. We thought it was a little weird, but we took a selfie with him since it is public relations. Afterwards, he's hanging around and tells a joke he plans to send to his friends along with the pictures. Quote, how can you tell him the smartest one in this picture? End quote. We asked him what he meant by that, and confused, he started to explain the sexist joke that he just told us. We told him off to the best of our ability, trying to get him to understand why what he said was incorrect and not okay. I think that he kind of got it and tried to come back and apologize and shake all of our hands, but I was still so aggravated that I just couldn't. Whenever I see him on campus to this day, I get mad. Anonymous story number three. This isn't related to a sorority, but I was once chilling with a guy at my place, and I told him to leave when it got late. And then he insisted on staying just a couple more minutes. He promised he'd leave eventually. And I told him, okay. We got carried away, and it got even later, so I was more firm and told him that he had to leave. And then he made me feel so damn guilty because, quote, who makes someone leave so late? He kept trying to stay over for the night, and I kept telling him no. He guilted me so much that it got to the point that I was crying, telling him to leave. Eventually, I just let him sleep over, and he slept, and I couldn't sleep that whole night. Anonymous story number four. 
I was at a fraternity party and the president who was on risk for this party took me, a drunk girl, up to his room. This is normally a fraternity where I'd always felt safe at, but now that the president of said fraternity wanted to take advantage of a drunk girl, I felt otherwise. Additionally, at a frat party, I was once grabbed by the waist and moved out of the way by some guy. I realized parties can be tight, but I'd rather just be pushed out of the way than grabbed by some stranger's hands. And that is the end of our anonymous stories. There was some powerful words in that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think it definitely op- it it opened my eyes to this issue of disrespect that a lot of men in our generation have towards women. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and uh, try and make myself sound like a saint. I definitely have done, not done, but more so said things to, like, my sister or female friends that at the time I may not have realized was offensive. But at this very moment, as I've grown as an adult, I realize those things aren't okay. And I find myself nowadays uh, going back and talking to said female friends or people and apologizing for those actions because there's times, you know, in your life when you're, especially when you're younger, you say things, you say bigoted things, or you say just dumb things in general, and you don't realize the power of the words in which you're saying. So I find myself every now and then getting back in contact with someone, and the first thing I feel like I have to say is, I'm sorry if I have ever been an asshole to you or said something that was just dumb. And, you know, I like it whenever somebody's like, yeah, you were kind of a dick, but I'm happy you've turned out better since then. You know, at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to change all of what happens. But if we're able to change the mindsets of those who have already done something wrong, then at least we're making it better because we're stopping it. Oh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I think my experience is a little different. Um for the most part, I would say I've been respectful towards women. I was raised around a lot of women, so it was kind of, it was very much ingrained in my head to respect women. I always treat them with respect. I was, I was very much that guy who got told a lot that, oh, you're such a nice guy. You're so sweet and respectful. You'd be the perfect boyfriend. Just not the perfect boyfriend for me. <laughs> and that's a cold bird, man. That's a cold bird. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I think that that kind of contributed to a semi-toxic mindset of, you know, well, women just like asshole guys. And I don't know. I don't think that that ever, I would, I, I like to think that that didn't have an effect on me, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge that it could have had an effect on me. But. I would say nowadays, I still surround myself with women who will 100% call me out in a heartbeat. Uh, uh, if I say something that's wrong or if I say something that's offensive, I'm thankful to have friends like that. Same for me. When I say I've said things or done things in that manner, I just mean in the sense of like, when I was a kid, you know, getting into arguments with a female friend or a sister and just immediately being like, well, you're a bitch. Things like that. Yeah, no, I get that. I don't know. I was, And, you know, now I'm old enough to realize, like, that's not okay. 
But when I was a kid, you know, you don't care. You just like word vomit. You get mad. You just talk. You just say things. Oh, yeah. I can totally sympathize with that. I think that that kind of goes along with just how a lot of us are raised. Like, I, like, I feel like, uh, like for me personally, I was, I was more of the sensitive guy, the guy that like cried, uh, and all this other stuff. And I definitely remember that I got bullied. Like my, my favorite color was pink when I was a child. That's not some, that's not a favorite color that, that you want to have if you go to elementary school in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, I also remember that I would cry a lot and it was just, you know, I was very much taught that like, Oh, men don't cry. Men don't, men aren't supposed to do this. And I very much be called gay or a bunch of other names that was just like, made this had me have a negative sense of like self, you know? It, oh, yeah. It, Same here. Like for Definitely me, it really was wasn't more of an effeminate child. Like I was like, you know, I'm a dude at the end of the day. But uh, definitely when I was a kid, too, I definitely did things that were a little more feminine or I liked hanging out with my sister or hanging out with female friends or not doing things that boys are supposed to immediately do, you know? Yeah, I think that that really has has an impact on men and society. Like, I think that that's I think that's very dangerous because you get these men who take it to extreme where they believe okay they believe these gender norms that have been placed on us by society so much that they think it's okay to treat women with such a suspect oh you're supposed to like this because you're a woman or oh you're supposed to cook because you're a woman oh it's okay for me to cat call you because you knew what wearing that would do to me like you know what i mean yeah i think it's just I don't know, like, I think it goes deeper than that, you know? Like, I think it just goes to even how with, like, the different health classes that we're taught, that, that are taught. Like, you know, we had the round table last, last week, and I had the privilege to talk with some women, and they were just comparing, you know, what they were taught in health class. Like, women in, like, middle school and high school are taught, you know, you can't wear this because you might distract the men the 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 boys in your class or you can't wear this because this might attract the wrong attention on the street like you know it's it's almost as if the women are being taught you know how to avoid being harassed as opposed to the men who are not taught to just not harass women if that makes sense i don't know i feel like i was lucky enough that the elementary and a little bit of the middle school that I went to at least when I was a kid I went to a bunch of elementary but I distinctly remember I had I can't tell you the exact name I know it was in Vegas but I went to like three different elementaries here but Mm -hmm. there was one school I went to where they definitely like sat us all down and had us have an entire class about like boys like this is what's not okay girls this is what's not okay if a guy does this guys it's not okay if a girl does this to you and, like, we were very much, like, we had a teacher who took the time and taught us, like, you know, this is bad, and it's bad no matter if you're a girl or a guy. Like, calling a girl out of her name is not okay. Calling a guy out of his name is not okay. You touch a girl inappropriately, that is not okay. You touch a boy inappropriately, that is not okay. You so I'm very that, I'm grateful for that. I'm about to say, do you feel like that, that helped you in your 
in your growth as a man? I don't know if it helped me per se with my growth as a man. I just feel like it allowed me at a younger age to know that there's a division between the two genders that there are things that are not okay. Simple point blank period. Like there's always that when you're a little kid, you know, you don't want the girls playing with you because they're girly. But having said that now there's like, Oh, there's this like literal thing. Like you do that whether you're a girl or a guy, it's not okay at all. So I feel like at a younger age, I was able to sit there, look back, and realize, oh, these are what's not okay. Like, this is what is not okay. Like, it gave that certain line of life. Because, you know, you had the rules at school you followed. You had the rules of playing in the playground that you followed. And you had your rules at home that you followed. But now there's these definite rules that apply no matter where you are. So I feel like it allowed me at a younger age to realize what I can't do. So, you know what? I guess, yeah, you could say it impacted my growth as a man. I think it just impacted my mental state of what I knew was right and wrong at a younger age to allow me to do more good. Yeah, I I like that. I think for me, it was great. It was greatly like my parents who taught me respect. You know, like still, like my parents were very big on respecting adults. So, you know, every every stranger that I met was, you know, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Every uh every adult was Mr. and Mrs. You know, Smith or Mr. and Mrs. Jason or whatever the case may be. Like I think born. just have it. Hmm? Yeah, Jason born. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I think my parents just really instilled that that basic respect of everybody in me to the point where it was just natural. Like to me, it just became second nature. And you know, it's understandable. Me, it took me a long time to break out of that habit because when I got my job at when I got a job in my college, you know, they're trying to be more. Uh, it's like more inclusive, so you can't say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am anymore. You can't say Mr. and Mrs., you know, you can't, you can't do that anymore. So it took me, like, it took a conscious effort for me to break that cycle of yes, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah, I wrote this thought down in my journal that I said to you um, because I wanted to speak on, you know, I wanted to talk about societal norms when it comes to genders and why it creates these divisions between men and women. and. I wrote down, I had said, men are forced to carry the books where girls are always expected to read the books. And the reason I say that, that is because we're kind of, as a whole, as a society, in media, in TV, in books, in everything, we're always taught that there's this big, strong man that's going to come and save the day and stop all the bad, bad from the world. And then we're told that girls are the smart ones. You, like, you always hear when you're a kid that girls mature faster than guys. While being true, it's like we're always taught that men can be barbarians and these big, broody beasts. And girls are these dainty little creatures that are meant to only be smart, seen, and be pretty, which is not true in any in any fashion. I mean... You know, I've seen it even in workplace, uh, even in the workplace, but I'll, I'll talk on that later. But, you know, as a child, right, 
Mm-hmm. If you just look at the toys that kids are given, girls are given dolls, boys are given basketballs and footballs. We are given, you know, Lego Legos and WrestleMania action figurines, and girls are given teacups and easy uh, bake ovens. doll houses. Huh? And yep, easy bake ovens. Yeah. So you know, it's just like those little societal norms that if we don't break will constantly keep this sort of drift where guys are allowed to have this idea where men aren't able or men are able to do things where women aren't where at the end of the day i have 100 percent seen some women outperform men in a lot of tasks and i have also seen men outperform women in tasks i think what i'm trying to get at is the societal norms that we create from a young age either strengthen or force us to doubt these sort of stigmas that are put onto each gender. No, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think I think a step in the right direction is beginning to hold men accountable. I think what we've seen a lot with the Me Too movement and just the recent, I would say like two to three years, is that a lot more women and and men are speaking out about what's acceptable and what's not, and like what's not acceptable. Like you're hearing a lot of you know stories about these big people who do these horrible things to women and it's like okay now that forces that that forces a conversation that wasn't being had before that you know that forces a conversation in college that wasn't being had before forces a conversation in the workplace that wasn't being had like i know for for me from my college we had it was part of our orientation where we spent I think a week, maybe two, on uh, learning about sexual harassment, what it looks like, how to like how to avoid it, how to you know, how to be how to how to help a friend who confides in you. Basically, just going deep into you know what is okay, what's not okay, what is considered harassment, what's not considered harassment, and that was the first time I watched the video about consent being teeth. Have you read? Um, have you heard about that video or watched that video? Uh, say it again. Consent is like tea. I have not seen that video, but it sounds intriguing. It, so I'll basically give you the rundown and then I'll show you the video after we finish recording. But essentially, it's this animated video where it's this, it's, it's this voiceover and it's like, consent is like tea. If your friend, if you ask somebody, do you want some tea? And they said no then don't give them the tea. Even if you've already made the tea, stir it, like, even if you've already uh, warmed the kettle, made the tea, poured the sugar, and mixed the cup, they still can say no, they don't want the tea. They may have wanted tea last week, but right now they don't want any tea. Just because you've had tea with them before does not mean that, does not mean that they want tea right now. And if they're drunk, they don't want tea. Drunk, drunk people do not want tea. And it just goes on and on and on about all these different scenarios where basically just comparing you know consent to being tea and it's it's kind of comical in a way just because of how he says like how they like how they talk because like obviously like when you're talking about tea it's very obvious to see you know if if somebody wants tea like for example like they say like if they're sleeping they don't want tea people who are asleep don't want tea <laughs> and it just like goes on understandable and on. And it's just, I don't know, for me as a freshman going, as a freshman at new school, it just, it 
was like and it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, oh, you know, like I knew what consent was before, obviously, but like, dang. It's like tea. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things that are so easily memeable. Like everybody at my school, if you talk about tea at all, like everybody just immediately starts laughing because we all had to watch that video. And so it's something that we all know. Well, it's understandable because it's understandable because they did it in a comical fashion, but they are. They're right. Yeah. And I I like it because I think no matter what state of mind you're in, if you're, you know, drunk, high, whatever, if someone says to you, hey, she doesn't want the tea, I feel like that's going to instantly, like, click. Oh, stop. Okay. Let me stop what I'm doing. Not you know only I mean? that, it's just like, not only that, but it's just like, I've never, I feel like, okay, this is going to sound really weird. I feel like 13 Reasons Why, like, opened a lot of people's eyes towards sexual assault because being a person that would has never done that, never would do that, I had never really, like, thought about what it is to be on that side of the spectrum, right? And then you just, I don't know, if, I believe they cut some of the scenes out. But, like, when you see Bryce and the girls asleep in the bed and he fucking pushes everyone out the room and he locks the door, like, that was a pivotal moment for me because, like, the other dude saw him, got pushed out the room, knew what he was going to do, but chose not to do anything. And now I was able to see what that situation looks like. I would never break the fucking door down. Like... It was a different yeah. level, especially like the hot tub scene. I'm not going to go in on the hot tub scene. I believe they removed it. That scene to me like shook me to my core because I was like, oh, no, that that's what like I never once being a man, being six foot tall, being as big as I am, have never once thought. <laughs> sorry, I, I've never once thought to myself someone is going to overpower me and take full advantage of me and there's going to be nothing I can do. And that shook me to my core because I was like, whoa, this is what women live with. Like, every day, women live with something like this being possible. They have that constant fear. And to me, that's just unacceptable. Like, there's, like, a video I've seen, like, circulating on social media and it was like, let's confuse the boys. And it was a girl walking over to her car at night. And before she even gets close to her car, she looks underneath. Obviously, I'm smart enough to know why she did that. Mm. But I'm like, if, if if it was me, I would never have to even think about doing that. Yeah. I think that for me, it's, I think it's a lot easier for me to empathize with women in the sense that I think being a minority of any kind or being oppressed in society of any kind kind of gives you an idea of what it's like. You know, like, I know what it's like to be a black man in society, so I know that there's certain things that my non-black friends will never have to think about. You know, like, I have to think about what I'm wearing, I think about how I'm walking, think about how I'm talking, think about how I'm presenting myself. And I feel like, you know, women who are minor who like i think i think inter intersectionality is a very important thing 
Like, I feel like, you know, there's women that have to do it. There's all women that have to do with that. But then there's minority women that have to do with that on top of, you know, the, you know, on top of the, you know, racism or whatever it can be. And then if they're part of the LGBT community, that's another thing. It's like, it's very easy in our society to be a double, triple, or even more of a, uh, of a minority. Yes. And I just think that that, and I, I think that that idea in itself helps me to understand what it's like, personally. Like, I can never fully know what it's like to have that fear of walking down the street at night and a man being near me, but. I can kind of understand it only in the sense of I have, you know, been walking down the street late at night and have had, you know, a cop pull up next to me or had you know, a less than, let's say, palatable individual come up to me. But, yeah, I've never once, again, I've never once had that thought like, oh, this person's going to sexually assault me, or they could sexually assault me. Mostly, it's always just been the thought of, oh, if it's a cop, this person's going to harass me, or if it's another person, this person could rob and or, uh stab me assault me but never has sexual assault been at the forefront of my thoughts yeah i want to i want to read off some statistics to you okay so sexual assault occurs every now this is i know we're talking about women um specifically in this episode but these statistics uh, they just apply as a general rule to women and men. I just wanted to read them off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sexual assault will occur every 73 seconds, but only five out of every thousand rapists will actually, you know, get caught and be put on trial and actually... What? You said five out of every... Five out of every 1,000? Yep. Jeez. Five out of every 1,000 will actually be incarcerated. <clears throat> and to break those, to break the numbers down over a year span, over 80,000, yes, I said 80,600 inmates will be sexually assaulted or raped. 60,000 kids. What I mean by kids are anyone under the age of 12. 60,000 kids. Over a year span will be sexually assaulted. Will be sexually assaulted and or raped. 4,333,648 people in the general population will be sexually assaulted or raped. That's age 12 plus. Um, Over a year span. 43 or 433,648. Jeez, just people? Just general population, so 12 plus. And I said that right, 4,300,000? I don't know, my words are so. 433,000. Sorry. It's okay. Twisted for a second. 433,648. 18,900 military personnel will be sexually assaulted over a year's span. 
sexually assaulted and or raped. Jeez, man. And another really messed up statistic is if you've already been sexually assaulted or raped, you are more likely to be sexually assaulted or raped again. Not even you know, sometimes by the same person or another person. You're just, um, because it's all really happening to you once, it's more I want, to, I want to cut you off real quick. Um, be mindful of saying the outline because that can trigger some people. I've learned. Um, so, just try uh, saying, like, under- harassment or, se- or sex- sexual harassment just because, like, uh, you might have listeners that could be triggered by hearing that so many times. Understandable. It's just it was written down on the website, and that's how I wrote it down in my notes. No, you're good. No, you're good. Like I know that you didn't know. That's why I was like, that's why I feel like I should tell you. Yeah. And so, if you've already had that happen to you, it you are more likely to have it happen to you again, either by the same person or another individual. And aren't most of those cases people that you know? Uh, I didn't look up the statistics of how many. I can look it up right now as you're talking, but I would assume so. I just remember that. But if you want to take over for a second, yeah, if you want to take over a second and kind of give your perspective, I can look it up real quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So just speaking more like from the point of view of a college student guy that's been there for our parties. From our anonymous stories, I could definitely say that, you know, I'm not totally surprised just based off of what I've seen at pride parties and plus what I see in movies. And movies are based in some sense in reality. But I do think one thing I like about the culture, the the party culture at my school is that there's a lot of information about how to report, you know, uh, just how to report injustices against you or like if like if you're hurt or if you know somebody that's hurt there's a lot of confidential resources as well as you know non non-confidential resources who will help you through the process of whether or not you want to you know, press charges what options are available to you all this different all these different resources are basically like one phone call or email away and i like that a lot about my school Um, so I was able to look it up. So the number is in about 85 to 90% of sexual assaults. They are someone that you know. So uh, there's a graph and it says, you know, basically uh, four, yeah, four out of five victims. It was someone that they knew. And that's, wow. It makes you think a lot. For like for me personally, I think it's just Sorry, shows... I was wrong. It's eight out of ten are someone you know. This is okay. Like I was saying, I think it just shows the importance of holding men accountable. I think for me I this episode was important to have because uh, there's been a big conversation about this recently with 
Vanessa Gillian and you know, a bunch of other people who have experienced this. Um, I've personally been uh, been exposed to a lot of women on various social media speaking out about their experiences with uh, with harassment and just dealing with men in general and just just and just disrespect and having men having men objectify them excuse me just i don't know hearing that so many times just kind of hurt me and wanted made me want to speak on it yeah go ahead uh no i was just i'm still looking at the numbers to to fully break them down 59 percent were acquaintances so yeah friends or someone you kind of know 34 percent were family members and only seven percent were strangers to the victims jeez yeah now for all the information i'm giving we're most likely gonna link it down below but i don't know how to well uh rain.org r-a-i-n-n.org yeah they're very that's a trusted source i i'm familiar with them yes and also the we're also going to put this down below but the phone number uh is the phone number for sexual assault victims the national phone number for sexual assault victims is 800 so 800 656 4673 to repeat it's 800 656 Four six seven three, and we'll put it below. Okay. Um, those those are some pretty chilling statistics. I feel like acquaintances can fall under you know people that you work with a lot. Oh, one hundred percent. They break it down even further on the website, but I didn't know if you want me to go even more in depth. No, I think at a certain point, just reading off statistics kind of tends to have people tune out if you do too many. Yeah, so that's I why I kind of kept it to the large number because they break it down to like the percent of percent. Yeah, but I know you did. You want to speak on you know what it's like in the workplace because you've been in the yes. workforce for the last two three years. Yes. Um. In the workforce, so those societal norms carry on over to the workforce, which was something I really wanted to talk about because, like, it's one of those things you see, and it it always popped out to me, and I would always ask the question of like, oh, why don't why don't we have any females that do the same job as us? And um, I even had friends, you know, I'm a forklift driver for a furniture company. And I would have friends who would be like, yo, that's dope as fuck. Do you think I can uh, like apply? Like, you think you can help get me in? Or, like, can I use you for a reference? You know, normal things. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, but there's no female forklift drivers. Um, They'd be like, what? And I'd be like, I, I don't know. You know, I've asked the question before. And it's just it's one of those things. There are females I work with. There aren't any female forklift drivers. And then at my last job, my last place of employment, um, I worked in the back, uh, you know, uh, the machine shop it was called. Um, you know, big machines, grease, metal, 
cutting parts, all this stuff, you know, all these people doing these different jobs. And there was one female. Just one. Out of the entire, all of what was back there, all these different machines, CNC machines, uh, you know, all these different things, there was only one female. That was it. And then, you know, they were, you know, it was kind of a known joke in the entire place that that was like, oh, oh back there, this is all guys, it's, it's barbarians, like, it's just all dudes. And, like, it was a known thing amongst everyone in the warehouse. I was lucky enough to, you know, be cool with all the people on the other side of the warehouse, which thus was majority female. Uh, but it still was like, it was just an eye-opener to me being somebody, you know, just fresh out of high school, going directly into the workforce, and I was able to see, like, the immediate division. Yeah. And, you know, I, I personally, that, the lady that worked in the back busted her ass. She was a better worker than some of the people that worked there. Uh, and just to, like, be for, like, eye-opener be forced to see that straight out of high school it messed me up because I was like I know right I know personally that I am not a better I have a strong work ethic I'm a good worker and I'll work as hard as I can but there are definitely some females who could whoop my ass at that job I don't work there anymore but they're I know some people, if they needed to get back there and get down, they would have gotten down. So yeah. it was just hard for me. And then I know you've been through maybe not the same thing when it came to, like, seeing the work division, but, you know, it's your story to tell. But I remember you told me sort of the story where, like, you and a female coworker had, like, a different wage or something. Yeah, so I'll go into that. Yeah, so the we- the gender wage gap. So uh, I experienced this firsthand, I think my freshman year so last year maybe um but uh one of my coworkers who was a woman we got we became really close and we all and we always had the same uh, shifts for work and um we got to talking about our different wages and about the the about the minimum wage increasing for massachusetts i think it was going from maybe like it was going from like maybe like ten to twelve dollars or eleven to twelve dollars. It was small and and like in the big in the big thing, but like it was you know it was still it was still an increase. So I remember me I was talking about I was like oh well I I already get paid twelve dollars an hour, and then my coworker she was like oh I only get paid I think ten fifty. It was definitely lower. Um, I don't remember the exact the exact wages, but I was like, that's weird. And then you know we both and then we compared our pay stubs, and I was like, that's messed up. So then when I shifted, we went there to talk to our supervisor together. And I was like, hey, uh, why is this like why is it like why is this a thing like why is like why am I getting paid more than her? And then my supervisor, one the best supervisor I've ever had. To this day, I will stand. I will stand on that hill, um, and die on that hill. I don't think I. I personally don't think that there could be. I. I could ever get better supervisor. Anyway, 
uh, he looks into it. Then when we come into work the next day, he's like, okay, so here's what happened. So basically, since Ralph got hired in August and they knew about the they knew about the minimum wage increase and they started him off at the at the minimum wage price. That way, it that way it'd be easier for him. That way, they wouldn't have to switch it over. And since you are returning from last year's work. This talking to my woman coworker since she was since she was since she was returning uh, from last year's work they kept on the last year's wage instead of changing it over so it was it it was a quote unquote reasonable explanation but it still was kind of just like what the heck you know what I mean very understandable I don't know but I know I I I was ready. <laughs> I was ready to, I was ready to tell, to tell, to tell some people off, I was, to say the least. I was ready to go to war. As you should. Because, like, for me, I'm just like, yo, like, we do the same thing, and she's been here longer than me, so it's like, I was, I was, I was mad for her. <laughs> I was like, yo, she's been I here really like, uh, I but, really like that sort of statement I put out where I said men are forced to carry the books where girls are told to read the books. I feel like there's power in those words that I feel like we should exponentially go into more on our private time. Yeah. Um, Did you want to talk about it more on on, on on this episode or it's just something you want to bring? Nah. More so private just between me and you, you know? Yeah, being, true. you know, because obviously next week topic is next week's topic is going to be different from the following weeks, and each week it changes. But I don't think that you know, obviously, with the things that we talk about, the things that we are passionate about, and the, you know, as each week changes and each topic we change keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, we shouldn't allow those things to be you know left in the dust or swept in the rugs because we're focusing on a new topic. Yes, we have to take time and study in on whatever topic we're going to talk about, but I think we should, those topics we really do care about, you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, I'm tongue twisted, sorry, Black Lives Matter, the wage gap with women, you know, just everything that we both, you know, take time and would discuss on our own that we should continue discussing those. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a very important the listeners for sure i was gonna i was gonna say the same thing i think it's important for us as men to have these conversations with our with our friend group that is with our male counterparts and our male peers like i know for me personally i'm always i'm i'm very adamant about um i'm very adamant about people men calling women bitches uh, I don't like it, and I've I've said I've said time and time again I don't like it. I will call my friend out if they say it. I mean, Adrian, you can attest to this. I just, <laughs> I think that you, I I just don't like when men call women bitches. I don't know. I feel like I feel like for one, there's no need to. It's just kind of just like why are you doing this for one, and then for two, it's just also. It's just disrespectful. It's it's it it was a war that originated after women got the right to vote 
to, and it was used by men as a derogatory term towards women. So it has very ugly roots and beginnings, and I don't know. I feel like it's, it, I feel like it's a word that just shouldn't leave my mouth or any man's mouth, particularly. Understandable. But I do definitely. Although, think that what do we do when like? Uh, sorry, not not to get you off, and I kind of lost my point. What was I gonna say? Oh, what do we do though, in a sense, when derogatory words and slurs and things like that are then shot into a positive light? I don't know why it's not. You me, you know, like, it's not a topic to me. Where like uh, thought right? The word thought that hoe over there. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's the empowerment, you know, the thought walk every year. I forget who runs that, but there's the thought walk that happens every year, and it's about women empowerment and things things of that nature. I don't really know. I don't know that much into it, but how do you personally feel about those? Like, when there's those things. Like, like using like using previously derogatory words as a way to empower women? Is that what you mean? Anybody. Anybody, just words of bigotry uh, being used in a less harmful light. Here's how I see it. Um, being part of the black community, I've had experience with the with the N word, with the word. Yeah, and I see it like this: the group that the word was created to oppress, or put down, or is offensive towards. So with the N word, black people. Black people with, you know, with thought and bitch, you know, women. I feel like if that group wants to claim it back and use it as a term of endearment, that's for them to do. That does not mean that men, I still firmly believe that, you know, just because women are using those those words to empower each other, that does not give me the right to then try to use it to empower them. Like, I would never be like, oh, yeah, that's my bitch right there. Because, like, even though when a woman says it, that could be like, oh, yeah, that's my ride or die friend. When I say it, that could be, you know, thanks to rap, you know, that could be my friend, like, my ride or die friend, my girlfriend, all, like, all, all these different connotations. So, for me personally, I just, I just stray, I stray away from using, derog- I try my best to, to, try my best to not use derogatory terms towards groups that I know don't appreciate it. So, for example, I recently learned, that indigenous people prefer the term indigenous as opposed to Native American or natives. Um, just stuff like that. You know what I mean? So understandable. Well, that was just a side question I wanted to ask you because it was it, it popped in my head. Yeah, no. So I guess like a clear, concise answer that doesn't beat around the bush is if it's a derogatory term that affects a group that you're not a part of, then don't use it. That's my rule of thumb. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I don't refer to women as bitches or thoughts. I don't I I'm going to stop referring to indigenous peoples as natives or Native Americans. Stuff like that. Now I know uh we both have different solutions to some of these situations that we see as viable. You wanna start talking about those? Yeah, for sure. I think a big a big solution that I heard from the round table was that 
we need to start this education at an early age. So we need to start kind of like how you had the type of education where men and women or in this case young boys and girls are taught you know this behavior is wrong this you know saying this is wrong doing this is wrong i think having that having that education at a young age where you where you're being taught a lot of important things that stick with you is key it's i think the younger you have those conversations, the more comments, like the more provokes conversations for kids to have with their parents. And it just teaches, I think it just better, better, I think it'll be better society as a whole. That's, that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing for colleges specifically, um, I think we need more, we need more awareness and education about what resources are available. Like I know for my school, one thing I like about my school is that they have, you know, the they have all the they have all the sexual assault resource information in the bathroom stalls. So I remember my first year I was just in the bathroom stall and I saw like a poster in the bathroom stall and I just read it and I was like, oh, this is about sexual assault. Okay. And then I was able to just, you know, snap a quick picture and save all the numbers in my phone. But I feel like we need more awareness around the school. And I think just having events, like we have this event at my school called Great Sex Day, which is all about sex education. They hand out, you know, free condoms. They talk about lubricants. They talk about safe sex, SCDs. They go into harassment, consent. And, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's a, it's a day where people just openly talk about sex and it's, used a lot for education and i think it helps i think we've had more if you have more things like that on campus it kind of reminds people like hey you know if you've experienced it if if you've been a victim of this or if you've experienced this or if you think you've experienced this you can you sell these resources available to you i think having those constant reminders throughout the year will help greatly because what I, I think what i've learned from these stories is that this can happen at any time any place to anyone. Yeah. So that those would be my two biggest uh solutions. Um my two biggest solution is one obviously for workplace HR people's HRs at their jobs need to step up. I not personally I would never work for this place, but there was a place in which my friend worked at and a coworker like would constantly make side remarks or talk about like her having a big butt or like different things like that and when she went to HR all they did was like move the dude's stores like that was it like they didn't no conversation of that's not okay you can't say that you can't do that it was just like oh you're sexually harassing females at your job all right we'll just move you to another store what action do you so think? So I think, taking? uh, honestly, I think you know I don't think every single person needs to be fired for horrible action. I mean, depending on how far the person takes it. If the person makes a rude or sexual comment towards someone, and you report them to HR, like you take the steps of what you feel are going to protect you, which they should, 
the person needs some type of, you know, some type of punishment for what they've done that should teach them. And if they do it again, fire their ass. And if they take it as far as to actually sexually assault someone, that person needs to then be reported to the police and it needs to be handled accordingly. At least that's the way I view it. But the fact that the HR at this business literally was just like, oh, uh, we can just move you. Like, that was their reaction. I don't think that's okay. Yes, there are some jobs that, you know, HR does their part fully, but I think they're, like, we have to, businesses have to be held accountable for those that they cover for. I feel like is the best way to put it. Thank you. And also, the second thing, the second one that I feel is the best is, sorry, I can't talk is just like you said educating people the problem the, like the big problem is most people just aren't educated and you know at the end of the day it's easy to tell someone no not to do something in the moment but if you teach them and then reiterate that to them over a period of time they will actually learn even though any person with a common decent common decency and an okay amount of education understands that you know sexual assault and treating someone differently simply because of their gender is wrong yeah i agree um i i, I did want to add one thing just for all the men out there um just call call each other out you know have that hard conversation with yourself and with any women in your life and you know, just ask like, "Hey, do I do anything that makes you uncomfortable?" And if they say, "Yeah," just like have that conversation. But if you do have that conversation, make sure you listen. You know, be slow to talk, quick to listen. It's one of my favorite phrases in life. Um, and also, just hold each other accountable. I think as men, we need to do a better job of calling this stuff out. It's like you say when in 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 the movie in the show Thirteen Reasons Why the guy got kicked out and he and he knew what was going to happen but he didn't do anything to stop it i feel like you know as men we can call each other out like as men we can you know fight each other we can physically compete with one another to protect women in my opinion oh also i don't know why what you just said reminded me of this i forgot to talk about it we gotta stop making a joke about it in the media like, there's definitely, like, I was watching a movie the other day. It's called um, Harold and Kumar Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Neil Patrick Harris, as, uh, he per- in the movie, he is pretending to be gay in the public eye, but for the movie's sake, he's not behind closed doors. Behind closed doors, he's straight. And then, you know, he pretends that he's gay, and he gets this girl who's a dancer to come back to his dressing room and they are you know they're talking and he's saying that they're gonna practice and he tells her to take her sweater off and she's like well i don't really have anything under and he's like well it's two girlfriends together like trying to use the advantage of her thinking that he's gay and then the girl lays down and he's like giving her a massage and then he starts touching himself and like holding the girl down and like it was, like, made a joke of in the movie, you know? Yeah. And so, 
I, I just personally. Then there's also like all of these TikToks where we make fun of girls and women, or like there's the TikToks, like there's the TikTok chains, right? You know, like people screen record somebody's video and then add on to the end. Yeah, not duet. Yeah. You screen record somebody's oh, yeah, video, yeah. then you green screen it, pause it, you you talk yourself, and you know it'll be like a girl talking about like, oh, I love country boys, and then it'll be like cut off a country dude walks up on behalf of all the country dudes we'd like to give her off to the spanish and the next one's like spanish dude we'd like to give her off to so and 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 it keeps going and keeps going and you're like making fun of said person because they said they like country boys or will immediately vilify someone in the media for saying they have a preference in what race that they do date and i think we should stop making jokes about it or there's like really offensive side of tiktok where dudes will literally go and just talk about how you know women shouldn't have rights and shit like that but i don't want to get into that but i think we should stop making a joke about it in media one saving grace i have seen about on on tiktok specifically is that there have been a lot of creators who have saw have seen this behavior and called it out specifically and and like massacred these accounts and and accounts have gotten banned because of it I just wanted to put that out there and like, just like, you know, like, you know, it, it's a fight that's happening while not people, like, while many people might not know about it. I just want to reassure our, no, our I understand. Mission. I'm just saying mm-hmm. mainstream media, we shouldn't make a joke out oh, 100%. of these situations. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a good one. Uh, I know for me personally, one that's been upsetting me recently has been the Megan Thee Stallion uh, situation, we'll call it. Like, you know... Entanglement. She got shot in both feet. And she's only 25 years old. And, you know, a lot of people have been making memes about it, making jokes about it, speculating about it. And, you know, she went on Instagram Live on, on Monday and she just cried. And she's like, you know, like it hurts. To, she was basically explaining how it hurts to see people taking taking her trauma and making a joke of it, you know. And she was speaking on, you know, how this affected her personally, how she, like why she hasn't spoken out about it. She's like, she's not protecting nobody. She just has it. It really messed with her mentally. And like, so I one thing I never understood. Like I'm waiting. But when all the information comes out about that situation and we're finally like, there's no more little side holes and whatever. Mm-hmm. But one thing I'm like, I, I, I can't really understand was like the whole 50 cent thing. Like 50 cent, somebody who's been shot nine times was so quick to make jokes about the whole situation. And yes, he apologized later, but it was like, dude, you've been through it. You understand to somewhat extent. Like, I don't even... understand that it's not even it's not even that you understand it's just that yo like this is a young woman she is 25 years old she's only five years older than i am she's she goes to college she goes she goes to university she goes to school in i think houston or austin and she goes to school in texas like yo like like my like my older sisters are 26 27 like this I don't know. For for me personally, it hit. It for me, it just hit a little different, and it kind of annoyed me seeing all the jokes about it. Personally, um, 
but I do want to... Are you ready for whenever that comes out? I mean, yeah. Like, I'm not... Like, I'm not necessarily... I'm not... Megan said she's not protecting anyone. I'm kind of excited for that, that she said uh, she's not protecting anyone. Like, a lot of people try to go by this, like, street moral code of... Uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, no snitching and shit like that. But like, when it comes down to it, like sometimes. Yeah, I think I. Uh, there was a video you showed me a while back that expanded this snitches get the snitches the snitching rule. They were like, you know, if you're in that life of crime, then that rule applies to you. If you're just some normal person who's not in that life and you witness something. That person's not a stench because they're not in that light. I mean, like, you know what I mean? And on it, like that really yeah. just, like that really just explained it to me. It's like it's not stenching if you're, if you are not participating in the same behavior that you're telling, that you're quote unquote telling on somebody for, then that's not stenching. That's testifying. That's telling your story. That's what you're supposed to do. But if you're somebody like six nine where you've been in that life and you are. And you are just as guilty as somebody else, and you throw somebody else under the bus so that you can go free. That is snitching, and that is wrong. I don't know this. The Meg the Stallion situation, the Meg the Stallion, Tory Lanes, Kylie Jenner, whatever situation. It, uh, I'm not excited, but I definitely am ready to see where it goes thus far. You know. Like, yeah. there's barely, there's really not much information that's been put out yet. And there's been so many side stories that people have come out with and people saying that they have a source and all these different things. And I'm just like, I really can't wait for the official report and the official, even though it may not even be the truth, you know, just, just some type of clarity on the situation. I get that. But I don't want to turn this into a Megan Stallion podcast episode. So I did no, want to, I did want to end off by talking about some of the resources that people can take. So I think what makes the most sense is me talk is me speaking on what we, what resources are at the, are at my school, the WPI. Um, and then I think after that you can talk more about Nevada and national resources. Sound good? Yeah, I can repeat the ones from before. So for WPI, we have the Title IX coordinator, John Stewart. Um, Title IX is a section. Let me look this up. While you're looking it up, I'll uh, repeat. So the uh, national number for sexual assault <clears throat> that I have looked up was 800656. Four six seven three. To repeat, eight hundred six five six four six seven three. And a website that you can go to. That there's always someone live that you can talk to, and you can get more information. And you know, all of that it is rain dot org. R a i n n dot org. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm forced. You're good. You're good. You can go. You can go. So Title IX is the section of our like uh, our community guidelines and standards which prohibits discrimination based on sex and educational program and activities. Um, so the Title IX coordinator is uh, John Stewart. 
you can be reached at jstewarttitleix at wpad.edu or by cell phone at 508-769-6271. Um, there are also a load of confidential resource advisors. I'm just going to run through that semi-quickly. Um, so confidential resource advisors, this is from the website. Um, I'll link it in 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 the in the episode description but oftentimes those involved those involved in the process will have to make difficult decisions wpis confidential resource advisors cras are the employees who have received special training to help make the right decision for you while also being a source of support then it goes to complainants deciding what to do uh while experiencing a violation of the sexual misconduct policy can be difficult you can speak with ACRA about what happened confidentially and no report will be made to the Title IX office. The CRA can assist you with obtaining other resources and can help you decide what, if any, of your reporting options to pursue. The CRA can continue to be a resource of support through the rest of the process no matter what option you choose. Respondents. It can be difficult to decide what to do when accused of violating the policy. Whether you speak to the CRA, whatever you speak to the CRA about, will remain confidential, no report will be made to the Title IX office. CRAs can assist you in making decisions regarding formal and informal resolutions with, and can, can help you connect with resources. Your CRA can continue to be a source of support throughout the rest of the process. Um, I'm going to list off the confidential resource advisors and their phone numbers. Again, all this will be linked below in the episode description, but Kate Breveridge in the Academic Technology Center 508-831-6012. Jennifer Cluet in admissions, 508-831-5286. She is with assisting complainants only. Dan Daughtery in the computer science department can be reached at 508-831-5621. Deborah off Arv Karchik in the School of Engineering can be reached at 508-831-4694. David Orthendahl can be of, of the Career Development Center can be reached at 508-831-5831. He is only for assisting students. Doug Petke of the Physics Department can be reached at 508-831-5420. And lastly, Liz Thomas Tomaszewski and the Office of, Office of Sustainability can be reached at 508-831-5457. Again, all that will be linked below. And um, yeah, also I just wanna say, uh, uh, ending on a personal note, if you know me or Adrian personally, don't, don't hesitate to reach out uh, if you need help or if you wanna to talk to us about um, any case that you've been a part of or any situation that you feel is necessary to talk about. We're we're here for you as confidential resources also. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that we'll help you to the best of our ability um and whatever the situation is. Do you is uh, <clears throat> that's what I was about to say. You have anything else you want to add? Uh no, so thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to contact us, we will put our contact information down in the episode description. We also now have a Patreon where the 
where all of our roundtables and exclusive interviews and episodes will be posted. Right now we have three roundtables posted, one exclusive interview and one bonus episode posted. And we have three tiers. The lowest tier is $5 a month. That just gives you access to all the behind the scenes information. Then we have two other tiers, one at $12 a month and one at $40 a month. Uh, those tiers include exclusive merch. Uh, more about that can be found in the description below. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Point of View Podcast. I am Ralph. I am Adrian.